Welcome back to the Rock and Ramble podcast. You're here with your host, Andrea and Victoria. Hello. Hello. How have you been? I haven't talked to you in a long time. Good. Got a house full of sick kids, so ready oh, to rock no. out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sorry to hear of, that. Um, they heard a lot of the the, the band that we're going to be talking about. <laughs> yes. Yes. They've been hearing a lot of them. And Surprise, everybody. We're talking about the police yeah. today. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. So they've heard a lot of different songs, and the one they like have latched onto is it i mean it's one of their big ones but then also the one hit wonder that i chose for the end okay. they really like it which i'm like oh maybe i shouldn't have i mean it's not bad but i don't yeah. know if that's the song i want the kids to be singing so uh <laughs> We've yeah, all we'll been get there. there yeah okay so a little teaser a little foreshadowing for my one hit wonder oh it's good but bad hmm. yeah it's a classic but yeah. also, like, not the best for four- and six-year-olds to just be, like, singing. What um, could it be? All right. <laughs> so we are getting into The Police. And I feel like everyone knows their main singer, whether they know the music or not. Their main singer is Sting. And mm. as we've talked about, there's lots of people on different episodes that don't use their, you know, birth name. <laughs> and he's one of them. He was not named Sting by his parents. His real name is Gordon Sumner. And <laughs> yeah, like, fun sounds much better. My oh, go ahead. My maiden name is Ray, R A Y. And uh, my dad always said that if they had a boy, they would have named him Sting. And we we're like, oh, such a dad joke. And then he also yeah. said that uh, there was going to be a, like, we were almost named Hip Hip, middle name Who. So we'd be oh. hip hip hooray. <laughs> uh, not even not even at least Stevie no, or something. Nope, nope. Either Stevie Sting cool. or uh, hip hip. <laughs> hip hip. Nice. Yeah. I was almost named, well, it's not funny at all or interesting, I guess. But I was born in Maryland and so they almost called me Terra Marie. Like Terra means like land in Spanish and so Marie. So it's like loosely Maryland. And I was like, I don't like that name. <laughs> So, there you I go. Did not, I never knew that. I never Tara, knew that. Yeah. Tara Marie. Tara's a nice name, but uh, Tara makes me think of Gone with the Wind. Uh, like, well, as long as I live. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever she's like talking about the land. Yeah. And as God is my witness. Yeah. yeah. That part. Maybe it's that, not as long as I live. Yeah. She you knows. Talking about. Um, after all, tomorrow's another day. Yeah. Anyway, back to the police. So Sting, (laughs) we can talk about. Okay, so the police is um, made up of Sting, or Gordon Sumner, and he's the lead vocals and plays bass, and also Amdi, Amdi. Did you just mess up my name? Because of of Sumner, I was saying the M and the N together. So this one is Andy Summers. Not oh, Sumner. Okay. Sumner is Sting's last name. This one is Summers. Sorry. And the drums, the drummer, oh my God, is Stuart Copeland. So they're a three-piece. They're a trio. You yes. You got this. You got this. Two of them are English, and uh, the drummer is American. There was ah. also someone, a fourth person in the group, technically. Um, 
He was the original guitarist, and he had more punk roots, but he wasn't really fitting with the band. So his name was Henry Padovani. I think I'm saying that right. Mm -hmm. But he was out of the band, out of the picture, like, really early on. So really, it's just them three as the original and the only ones. Um, Yeah, so they formed in London in 1977. And if you're familiar with their songs, you can probably easily tell they have definitely a a bit of a reggae influence, punk, and some jazz. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of, you know, hands everywhere as far as, like, influence. Um, They all were part of four bands before this one, before they were part of the police. Mm -hmm. So the drummer, Stuart Copeland, he was part of a band called Curved Air. And Sting was part of a band called Last Exit. And so Sting who also, I didn't know this, he was a former school teacher. What? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. What, How cool. Do you know what grade he taught? Um, I can. I forgot. I, I looked it up when I originally did this, and then I don't remember. Sting. Some nerd teacher. It's like, could you imagine like being a student? Oh. He was an English teacher. Makes sense. English Yeah, he's an English teacher, English teacher and a soccer coach. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you mean football? That's simple. I mean, this says soccer coach, but yes. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. But for our American listeners, he's the soccer coach. Uh, everyone else, yeah, football. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got his nickname before the band, but for always wearing like a black and yellow striped sweater and looking like a wasp. And oh. so they called him Sting. Isn't that interesting? interesting. I, I don't know. I just thought kind of like Nicky Six and all them. Meh. Just <laughs> no. so interesting. Yeah. I thought it was just like, that's a cool name. But uh, no, it's he wasn't like, not. I want to be Sting. No, I would love we should come up with like, what would our names be? Based. Well, maybe like one, like what just sounds cool to mm-hmm. us. And then another one, like. Based on, you know, personality traits, what, what personality or what we wear or what we're into. Okay, so like one that just sounds How about cool and not. You related come up to us. with one, like we'll each come up with one that we would like to be, and then I'll come oh, no. up your with yours based on personality. <laughs> okay, are we being funny or mean oh. or cute? Because <laughs> I need to know. I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> I would, I would call you. Oh, uh, <clears throat> like twitch or something like you'd be like twitchy because you get you get scared very easily so what would that be so we went with mean okay <laughs> so <laughs> that's not me that's a cool name twitch 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 i sound like i'm like a drug addict like <laughs> I didn't say like tweak. <laughs> no, like twit, like you twitch, like whenever somebody like yeah. comes up beside you or something, you're like ah! um, jumpy. It's better than jumpy. It's better Jumper. than jumpy. Um, okay, um, let's see. I'll call you spots. Oh my god, it'll be spots. Yeah, twitch it's cute. And spots. <laughs> Ready to rock. <laughs> twitch and spots here. <laughs> All right, those are our new call signs, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, if you could come up with a cool one for yourself, what would you choose? Spots. You like it that much? <laughs> I was like, yay. Oh, I was like, wow. Um, 
For everybody that like doesn't know me and can't see me, I'm covered in freckles. And that's... Oh, yeah. That's what I should have explained. <laughs> yeah. Freckles everywhere. It's so cute. Uh, yeah. Uh, a lot of kids, like adults, will compliment me, actually. Like, quite often, they'll be like, your freckles are so cute. And I get that all the time, which is funny because I'm like, tons of people have freckles, but... Um, and I'm fine with it. I, I like my freckles. It's, it's cool. Uh, but kids are so honest, like this, especially this summer being around like a bunch of like first grader, kinder and first grade level kids. Uh, they were like, there was one kid who was like, why do you have all the spots on your face? And I was like, <laughs> uh, cause that's the way God made me. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and then my daughter, Nora, she was like, you have so many freckles. And I was like, yeah, you have. I was like, your freckles are coming in real cute. And uh, she's got a bunch of little freckles too. But she, right now they're just kind of like spread across her cheeks and over the bridge of her nose. So it's really cute. And I was like, you're going to have them just like me probably like all over your face. And she was like, oh, man. What's, what's wrong with that? She's like, your freckles look like poop. <laughs> she's like, it looks like you have poop on your face. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Kids. Well, get well, ready. Mine, <laughs> I don't have nearly as many freckles as you, but mine are like cheeks and my nose and my kids notice them. And so when I have like blemishes or like, you know, pimples or whatever, and they're like, oh, is that red one a baby freckle? Is it going to turn into one? And I was like, no, hopefully this goes away. <laughs> we don't have to it's acknowledge the existence. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So, yeah, really cute. All right. So. Sting and Stewart met because they were asked to play on somebody named Mike Howlett's record. And I don't know that person, but when it was referenced in like a few interviews and just articles about them, they made it seem like he was like a pretty big name for mm-hmm. that time and area. Mm-hmm. So big deal for them. And when they were playing on the record, that's where they met the guitarist that they ended up joining with is Andy Summers. Mm. And Summers is older than them, and he played in several bands already, including one, I guess, which was a pretty big one. It was called Zoot Money's Big Girl Band, and they were a house band at a club called the Flamingo in London. So oh, I know you and I have kind of been keeping tracks of like keeping different. track of places that are like, ooh, that one is referenced a lot. Yeah. And the Flamingo in London, it has hosted Pink Floyd, Cream, Jimi Hendrix, and the Rolling Stones. Nice. So it's like a, a you know, pretty big one mm-hmm. um so add that to the list if we ever go overseas yeah, to learn yeah. any of this stuff yeah and um they only played so i mentioned that henry potavani was part of the group for the beginning and they only played twice as the four of them and that's partly because andy summers so the guitarist they picked up after that recording session um he in one interview was kind of like look I don't know if we need both of us and it's mm-hmm. not really we're not really jiving well and not that they weren't getting along I think just more like their style and their sound and that's one account and then Henry Potavani in an interview is like ah, I could kind of tell I was just out so he just like mm-hmm. left and was like it's cool it was what it was like no hard feelings it didn't seem like um, Henry Potavani definitely had more of a punk background though versus Andy Summers Andy Summers was more or just less punk so that kind of influenced some of it. And they went um, and they were playing music and everything. And they decided to go to the U.S. kind of like straight away, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. 
um, they had their first gig in America at a place that you and I have heard of, um, mm-hmm. CBGB. And oh. yeah, and I was like, oh, cool. So in October 1978, they went to CBGB in America, in New York. And um, we are actually going to New York in the yeah. fall with another one of our friends, Lane. And I was like, oh, I, I want to go see that place. That would be like such a big deal. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would have loved to see a show there, especially because when we were younger and going to like Warp Tour and like all these other shows, mm-hmm. so many people had CBGB shirts. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, what is that? And so I like looked into it and I was like, cool. And that would be cool. Um, it's closed, though. So yeah. we cannot. I don't know if it's like even the sign is there. It'd be cool just to even see the sign. But yeah. um CBGB stands for Country Bluegrass Blues, and the other part says, in other music for uplifting gourmandizers. So it's just like a whole thing. But I can I can see why they have, um, you know, shortened it to that. <laughs> yeah. Acronyms. Yeah, because that's a lot. Um, yeah, so they did really well in America, and they released their first album in 1978. Mm-hmm. And it it's pretend kind of French. It's not true, true French. It's called Outlandos d'Amour. And it loosely, it's kind of like French slang, um, translates to Outlaws of Love. Mm. And yeah, I thought that was interesting. So a little bit behind that album is um, Sting was actually staying with Andy and his wife. And his wife was expecting a baby and they were um, just down the hall and they heard Sting start playing Roxanne. Like, not the way we know it now, mm-hmm. but um, he, Andy, it originally thought he was doing like a lullaby almost for, and he was like, it's so sweet. It's like a lullaby for his unborn baby. And I don't know if he just couldn't hear the words or if he just heard Roxanne over and over. And this must have been like slower, more acoustic sounding, you know, he sound. His daughter Roxanne. So, no, but, <laughs> but it just was like kind of a big deal because that's like their, becomes like their breakthrough. Yeah. Is like. Roxanne and um, he was like yeah I thought it was like a lullaby at first and um, it gets reworked because they are like okay well they like the song Sting wrote it and Mm -hmm. they realized that it needed a different sound and they were kind of playing around with different sounds and they kind of tried a little bit of punk a little bit of just all all different kinds and they Mm -hmm. settled on reggae and they really liked the way that sounded and that is a big deal because obviously it reggae kind of spans through the rest of their career in a lot mm-hmm. of ways so um stewart's brother the drummer's brother miles got them a record deal for this album and helped them release roxanne as their first single but that did not take off at first it like didn't really do much mm-hmm. but when they were in america and like after all that time it became a hit and so it was later re-released and then it was like a big deal so uh, at first it was like nothing, and then a few peop- few more people started listening, and were like, "This is pretty cool," and then they re-released it and got a hit. I wonder how many other songs. Well, <laughs> actually, that's kind of happening now because, like, well, with Stranger Things, Kate mm-hmm. Bush and Metallica, yeah. yeah, it's happening, and it's like I feel like getting, giving new life. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's interesting, and I know there's like some songs that kind of periodically that keeps happening too. I don't think Kate Bush has ever really had that moment. So, no, like, yeah, I so I, I didn't know that song beforehand. Did you? Mm, no, I knew who Kate Bush was, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that song, so yeah. I don't think 
without that she would have had like a resurgence at all <laughs> but i feel like other songs like i feel like marvel's doing it a lot right now oh yeah the past few movies where they're like mm-hmm. oh they're gonna put guns and roses in this and yeah and i, I love that. it but i'm also like i don't know it just kind of seems a little weird to me like they did that with guardians of the galaxy and at first i was like so into it because i loved like oh what they put in jamming out to that they had oh what did they have they it was just like hit after hit because it was like do you remember how he's like listening to his cassette oh, from like yeah, the yeah, 80s yeah, yeah. and so it just is like a lot of really i can't remember which ones but i remember okay, being yeah, every new right. song i was like ooh, and then i think now it's like a thing in those to mo- put it some there, of them yeah movies. so like the pr- trailer at least for thor seems yeah. that way where i'm like okay with cool. guns and roses yeah yeah obviously i love the song i just i don't know okay so their second album is the very next year in 1979 and it's called regatta de blanc again french slang and it loose loosely translates to white reggae so yeah. they are i it's like a joke there and on reggae. together to do that um and on this album their second album it's has the message in a bottle and walking on the moon and message in a bottle I like that song so much. I really mm-hmm. do. Um, it's about the feeling of looking for love, but also how universal that feeling is and like how everybody's looking for a connection because, um, ag- again, it's one of those songs I had never really listened to all the lyrics as I'm singing it mm-hmm. and thought about them, um, which I, I'm kind of embarrassed. I guess I don't do that a lot because there's so many songs through this podcast where I'm like, oh, wow, that's you what just I've been singing. Sing and I'm like, and you oh. never know. Yeah, and I'm just, yeah. that. yeah, that's one that I just kind of like blankly sing along to. But yeah, it's, you know, he sends out a message in a bottle, he's feeling lonely and then throws it out and it turns out like so many other people send him a message like me too. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's interesting hmm. to me. And I don't want to get like all existential here, but. You can get existential here. It, it It makes me think of like current events of like, mental health we feel well not no uh it's more of like the have you seen the space pictures that nasa released through the the james webb telescope um of like how many other galaxies like thousands of galaxies in this one image and that's like the tiniest speck of space that they took a picture of and in that one speck there's thousands of galaxies right there (laughs) so it's just like the whole like there's so much bigger so much more than just us and didn't they recently like, like wants a confirm that like ufos are a thing yeah i think there's like even government like documents and confirmation of it it's, yeah like well i don't like, know I, how it's not a bigger news thing but yeah that's yeah. i was like um it's cr- there's so much going on i guess that like when they're like oh by the way ufos are real and <laughs> yeah um but yeah that it's made crazy. me think of your dad <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My dad. Uh, we are really off. Sorry, we're getting back into it. I don't know if we ever really That's were in the a whole good point of the, the podcast, ramble. But, but yeah, we're rambling for sure. But yes, my dad is so big into UFOs, aliens. Like that, we watched mm-hmm. so many things growing up, and we would go to Rodoso every winter for mm-hmm. years. I don't know how long. And mm-hmm. every stopped time in Roswell. We stopped in Roswell to do the alien museum, and it was for many of those years there was not updated exhibits and maybe <laughs> once in a while it's just it was like, like the plastic alien thing. living on laying on yeah. that table it's like, <laughs> yeah 
and the same uh, little like um, pictures of like in 1950 whatever mm-hmm. and you would think I'd know some more of that stuff but no nah, I just remember the gift shop and the little photo ops and stuff yeah. like that so yeah anyway message in a bottle made me Aliens. think of like <laughs> no just like we're so Could small be. and insignificant in space and we just need to like get over ourselves and connect and you know I don't know yeah it's like I don't know I'm, man I always think of like being a <laughs> tiny little grain of sand on a beach like that's mm-hmm. our universe even could be like a tiny little speck or maybe like one of those butterfly shells so I'm gonna quote I think it's Neil de- DeGrasse Tyson I don't know how to say his middle name um mm-hmm. but so he was explaining some of that picture that I was just talking about and he was mm-hmm. like this picture that shows all these like hundreds or thousands of galaxies is such a small picture of space it's as if you were holding a grain of sand in your finger and holding it away from you at arm's length against the entire sky that you can see like that's how tiny of a speck that picture represents in all of space and in just that picture there's thousands of galaxies isn't like, it crazy Hold. to think also that even within our own world like just the the earth we have no idea what's at the bottom of the ocean oh no yeah like yeah. there's Me literally a megalodon swimming around <laughs> in the water and we don't know yeah we don't know. we um when she had this book from the book fair my daughter um bought this book from the book fair and it brought up the Mariana Trench at one part. And she was like, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's so cool. And I was like, it's like the deepest part of the ocean. And like we geeked out because then I was like, let me show you. And so like we looked up videos and we got a couple books from the library about it. Cause she was so she'll just randomly be like, I love you all the way to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. And I'm like, oh, that's a lot. Thanks. <laughs> but it's just like. <laughs> but not back. <laughs> yeah. I would leave you there. <laughs> I would leave um, you in the trench. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's crazy because it's looking at like the possibilities of what could be down there and stuff mm-hmm. is like kind of crazy. Like Megalodon. Anyway, so back to the third album released by the police. <laughs> so sorry. Um, yeah. So the third album is called Zenyatta Mandata. <laughs> Jesus it was names. released in 1980, and it's just a fun name. It's like Akuta it Matata. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I thought it was. Did you? It sounded like two. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was it, too. Um, and so the big songs from this one are Don't Stand So Close to Me, and I always forget the tune until I hear it, but the D do... D, oh. How does it go? D, D. I know what you're talking about. Um Da da da, like that one. A d d d, a da da da, right? A yes. Mhm. Want to say to you, yeah. A d d d, da da. That one. Um. So those are the big songs from this album, and I will say again, talking about like not knowing what we're singing about, I knew mm-hmm. immediately the "Don't Stand So Close to Me" song. I was like, oh yeah, Temptation, and like I could mm-hmm. sing it. Then I was like, oh, when I was looking more into it. So it's about a teacher and a student mm. temptation turning into something more. And it, so if you look at the lyrics, it says, young teacher, the subject of schoolgirl fantasy. Teacher. She wants him so badly. 
knows what she wants to be. And then inside him, there's longing. This girl's an open page. Bookmarking, she's so close now. This girl's half his age. And it's just, like, weird. And So it's a male teacher? Yeah. And yeah. And, in, and it even references Lolita. So it's just like the old man in that book by... Um, I don't know how to say Nabokov. I don't know how to say the name. I just read it in my head. Oh. Um, and then it just repeats, don't stand so close to me, don't stand so close to me. Um, yeah. To so it's it. like, whoa. Yeah, I, d- I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And obviously not great. But yeah. um, the other one, the one we were singing, the is about how, yeah. Uh, sometimes the words people, so I wrote it out what, like, my trans- translation or, um, what's the word? Oh, my God, I'm so brain dead today. Uh, Interpretation, thank you. Um, You're welcome. About how sometimes <laughs> the words, <laughs> about how sometimes the words people say to sound important or eloquent go over people's heads and can still sound so fancy or, like, authoritative but no one really understands them and can be taken advantage of. So sometimes the best thing is simplicity and not trying to like convolute things with nice, like big ideas. And it makes me think actually, it makes me think of, uh, I think it was sophomore year. I was in an English class and they showed us like this um, paragraph of, I think it's Mark Twain and he's got all these big, beautiful descriptive words and, they're like, what do you think about this writing? And I don't think they tell you it's Mark Twain at first, but you're like, whoa, this is like cool. This is great. And then it's like, well, no, he just actually wrote down a bunch of stuff to be like, I'm not really saying anything of substance, yeah. but people buy it because it sounds pretty. fancy. And so it was just kind of like, I feel like that song matches that little paragraph. I'll put it in the show notes if I find it. Yeah. Probably saying that wrong still. And then, so the fourth album, moving on to 1981, mm-hmm. um, is not pretend French anymore. It is called Ghost in the Machine. So not, they've moved away from that. And the big song that probably everybody knows is Every Little Thing She Does is Magic. Oh. That's the one my kids love right now. Okay. And, oh, not that's not the one hit wonder one, magic. but from the police. Yeah. Everything yeah. And that one turns really me cute. on. <laughs> yeah. I... I love it, though, because um, I feel like, I mean, you and I probably relate to it from, like, our younger days, but about being, like, infatuated or in love with someone, but you're, like, so stuck in your own, like, fears and insecurities that you cannot, like, yes. make a move or, like, whatever it is, because it's, like, you know, I resolved to call her up a thousand times Our a day. entire adolescence. it doesn't happen. Yeah, that's like why we related to these like emo and classic rock power ballads so much. That's why we stayed in our rooms listening to these songs. <laughs> yeah. Just... That's funny. One day. So um, the interesting thing about that song, though, is overall the album's a little bit darker. And um, Sting had actually written this song in 1976 so five years earlier before their first album even came out mm-hmm. and um he didn't feel like it had matched or like didn't want to include it but he did include it on this album because of how like i said like kind of darker this album was he was like eh, it needs something a little more upbeat mm-hmm. and obviously the song works it's a huge hit and still well known today so i think it's a good one to have 
Nice. And their fifth album, their last album, is called Synchronicity, which I think is funny because it's their last album and when things fall apart. So yeah. 1983, their last album's released, and the big, huge, huge, huge one is Every Breath You Take, which everybody boom, knows. Boom, 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 boom. It's the, like, boom. Yeah. I'm trying to do um, beat, And that one's really been can't. 17 weeks at the top of the charts. Which now, yours made time. me think of the, like, Mr. Sandman when you did that. It's like, oh. Mr. Sandman. <laughs> it was like, boom, 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 yes. boom, boom, boom. So it sounded like, yeah. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Make him the yeah. cutest that I've ever seen. <clears throat> boom, 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 boom. Yes. Um, so, go ahead. Oh, I was just going <laughs> to say that every breath you take, I always think of, like, the... I don't know if it, he was P. Diddy or Puff Daddy at the time, but Sean Combs, mm-hmm. his version of it. Yes. Um, yeah, in 1997, um, Puff Daddy, Puff he was Puff Daddy at that time, had a song with Faith Evans and 112 called I'll Be Missing You. And it's such a good song. Such a good song. Um, yeah, so this song, I think now a lot of people know probably but mm-hmm. a lot of people mistakenly consider it a love song as like a I'll always be there kind of thing, mm-hmm. but it's more like jealousy. And I, I'm going to say this in quotes, though, because this is from him. Yeah, it sounds like Sting. a stalker to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, quote, jealousy, surveillance, and ownership. So mm-hmm. it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> like You don't want to like be singing order. you just fell in love with. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it is recognized by BMI as being the most played song in radio history, and it overtook, I thought you would find this interesting, um, You've Lost That Love and Feeling by the Righteous Brothers. Oh, so, yeah, it was recognized as most played song in radio history. Um, it was the music video that won the first Best Cinematography Award at the MTV VMAs, which I don't even remember that being a category. I don't know if it still is. And um, supposedly, as of 2003, so this is... <laughs> Like, you know, 20 years ago, um, Sting was making an average of $2,000 a day in royalties for the song. And I would imagine with streaming that that would have just, that would be higher. Like, mm-hmm. even if radio plays down with streaming, <sighs> it would probably Talk be Talk about passive higher. income. Yeah, Jeez. no joke. We just need one hit song, Andrea. Just one <laughs> just good, one. solid hit We song. could do it. A do, do, do. Yeah. A da, da, da. <laughs> Let's just do a sick remix of something and, you know, call it ours. And Are you clapping? There it is. Oh, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I forgot. You can... I have like, um, I can't hear it. The AirPod case. I'm like opening. <laughs> I started fidgeting with it. <laughs> so... It's like click, click. Click. <laughs> I can't even hear it because the AirPods are like the sound <laughs> noise the silence. I can't yeah. hear myself doing it. Oh, but that's funny. you can. <laughs> Sorry about totally that. Totally heard that. So something interesting about that song and mm-hmm. about Sting's personal life, because I think it's just crazy and I didn't know this. What? So this song was written kind of in the middle. So it's kind of murky every step about you like... Take, or every breath you take. The every breath you take. Yeah. So Sting fell in love with Trudy Styler, his neighbor, he was already married, his neighbor, and his wife's best friend. Oh. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy to me. They had, like, a relationship or affair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the neighbor and the wife's best friend, like, God, like, that's... I mean, it's the same woman, right? That's terrible. Yeah, but that's crazy. Um, They had a relationship slash affair that supposedly began in 1982, 
and she became pregnant in 1983, and he divorced his wife in 1984. So mm. it's like somewhere, I don't know. It's kind of a strange timeline because so, like, that's, that's what cheating creates. Well, he uh, divorced his wife, and he's still married to her. To the new, Trudy? Um, to Trudy Styler, the one that mm-hmm. he had the affair with. Um, they got married in 1992. They're still mm-hmm. married, and they have, he has six kids total, two from his first wife and four from his second wife, Trudy. Um, but, yeah, so he wrote Every Breath You Take somewhere in the middle of, like, the divorce. or mm-hmm. Well, not the divorce, but the affair happening and, like, the separation. The mm-hmm. divorce wasn't final till a couple years later, but it's just like, wait, so does that mean you ended it with her or, like, cheated on her? Mm-hmm. His first wife, and then was also possessive. I, I, I was still pretty confused. Well, yeah, like, I what mean, was this about then? Isn't that kind of like the mo of like a cheater? You get like really possessive and like um, defensive, like like even the, though you were the one who screwed. Stuff yeah, up. because you're defensive yeah. about the mistakes that mm-hmm. you made, and you project them on your partner. I've read a lot of books. Oh, um, I was like, whoa. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it, honestly the whole like um, sleeping with your best friend's significant other that I feel like that happens a lot in movies and books. Like it just immediately made yeah. me think of uh, Glow, that Netflix show, the Netflix. Is it Netflix? I think mm-hmm. this you never watch Glow with. Um, what is her name? Annie something uh, from Community. And it's like the pro wrestling, like uh, the gorgeous women, gorgeous ladies of wrestling, glow. Gorgeous Whoa, ladies. I have of no wrestling. idea what that is. Oh my gosh, it's such a good show. It's a really good show. But yeah, um, spoiler alert. It's like in the first episode, you find out that she like slept with her best friend's husband, and that like tore the two friends Damn. apart. Um, but that's uh, immediately what it made me yeah. think of. And yeah, mm-hmm. if you have not watched that, you should add it to your list because it's pretty pretty good i don't know when it's coming back i think it's had like four seasons or something um mm-hmm. but the acting is really good and it's funny because it's about these women who like come together in the 80s and like put on a wrestling show and they're like not wrestlers <laughs> they're just like have like a like various backgrounds and they like play these characters and it's mm. pretty good so it's like how two besties like don't have musical talent and then create a music And they come together (laughs) and they create this beautiful podcast Um, and they share it with the world. It makes me think, not the show, but the, what you said, like, I guess it does happen more often than I I guess initially realized, but it makes me think of Shania Twain because it in that, ooh, yeah, happened with her husband. um, I don't think they were best friends or something. Her. Oh, they were just close friends or something, right? I don't know who it was, but, like, her husband cheated on her, and then she and that Mm -hmm. woman's husband ended up getting Mm -hmm. together. And I don't know if it was, like, in retaliation or what, but I think they're still together, right? Is that the one she's married to now? I I know. I think she's... Oh, wow. That's crazy. Anyway. um, So, Sting (laughs) went... (laughs) Um, in 1985, Sting had his solo debut and released music on his own. And so one thing I haven't talked about through all these albums, 
But in like every interview I watched and read, there is like so much tension with these three guys. And it seems like specifically Sting and the drummer, but it's kind of all of them. Where they're Mm -hmm. just like always fighting and like just always mad at each other for silly things. And I say silly, Mm. but I just mean like, man, if they could have just gotten along. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like a bit of egos, of course, because it's like always the case Mm -hmm. in these bands that we talk about. Um, But yeah, so in 1985, they... Sting released his own album, and they did not make music together since. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did do a reunion tour in 2007 and through 2008, and oh. the UK leg of the tour sold out in 30 minutes, which I thought was crazy. Yeah. That was crazy. That's really um, fast. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2003, and as far as where are they now, the drummer, Stuart Copeland, Um, produces and composes music for films, video games, and operas and ballets, including a recent um, one called Electric Saint about Nikola Tesla, which I thought was pretty cool. So I was like, oh, I want to look into this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Sting, um, he obviously has a solo career. He is involved with social and political issues, which I have seen a lot of. And he's done a lot of performances for charity benefits for different causes. Mm -hmm. And he's been in a lot of different shows as an actor, or like a cameo as himself. And one that I just saw, I think you and I had talked about it before, but the only murders in the building on Hulu oh, with I do want to watch Steve that. Martin yeah. and Martin Short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he is in so far it's been one ep- one episode, maybe two. But uh-huh. um he just like lives in the building. Mm-hmm. Um so he's kind of referenced or in the show. Yeah, he's like a really um, big like environmental activist, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, yeah. He does it a few or several different like causes. So I, I just didn't list him out. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Andy Summers, he also has a solo career. He's written a few books, has like 15 albums, including one from last year called Harmonics of the Night. And he's just busy. Mm-hmm. And I started watching. Um, he has like a there's like a police documentary, but it's based on his book. So it's even the documentary is pretty focused on him mm-hmm. and um i had to like rent it on what vimeo or something oh, and yeah. it like froze at like 75 percent of the movie <laughs> i so yeah it wouldn't finish. let me rewatch it i tried it on all these different things but it just never let me finish so but well, it was well. a lot of um like his side of stuff i mean not like his side like it was all terrible but mm-hmm. from his point of view so after that roller coaster of me trying to get through <laughs> that information, and I'm sorry, guys, it's been a month since we recorded, and if I ever had a groove, I don't have it anymore. <laughs> um, How Tori but, got her groove back. <laughs> yeah. Better than Twitch. Um, <laughs> <our> one, <laughs> my one-hit wonder. So uh, I did find a way to tie it in a little bit. So my one hit wonder is a song called Pass the Duchy by Musical ah, Youth, which was released in 1982. Yeah. yeah. They are a British Jamaican reggae band. So I was like, ah, oh, reggae, British, like that works. Uh-huh. Um, so I didn't realize, and maybe I should have. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know, really naive about it. But um, yeah. it's a song. The song is an adapted version of Pass the Kutchy, Kutchy? Kutchy? by a act. Um, different reggae band called the mighty diamonds mm-hmm. and the song itself has elements of two other reggae songs called give me the music and roll the nation so the lyrics are changed 
because the band is boys between the age ages 11 to 15. That's why it's called Musical Youth. So yeah. they changed the words. We know it as like this has to be referencing weed, but yeah. the original song, Past the, Past the Kutchy, is that word means it's a container to hold weed, and it was replaced with Dutchy instead to be slang for a Dutch stewing pot. So then they replaced the word herb in the lyrics, which we would have known as like weed, with okay. food. So technically the song we sing is supposed to be about food. That's what the boys are singing about. They change the lyrics of it so that way it's more, you but know, then innocent. Didn't but Dutchy it's still then very become well known. a name? Yeah, like a I think. Slang. Yeah, I think so. So I think yeah. it's just funny because, um, like, everybody knows it's yeah. synonymous with yeah. Food, so, um, yeah. And when the music video aired on MTV, it made Musical Youth the first black group to appear on the channel, which oh nice, I would not have guessed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's considered a one-hit wonder in the U.S. because even though they had other songs on the charts in other countries, they didn't do as well here. So to mm-hmm. us, this is really the main one we know. I mean, listeners, maybe y'all know a lot more about musical youth, but I do. Um, so, yeah, that's my one-hit wonder. Is, and that's the one the kids, like, were really vibing to. And I was like, cool, cool. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. so funny. So, yeah, it's – well, immediately it um, took me to Stranger Things because that was in this this – um oh yeah season two yeah so that that (laughs) probably got a lot of plays as well that's funny because that was like (laughs) a lot and like it was more than once Mm -hmm. because i know that that song would get stuck in my head after watching stranger things but that's a good one um yeah definitely yeah i I can see why you don't want your kids singing that one but you know it's about food so it's really not that bad yeah it's about food they're talking I mean, about a cooking pot and food. Yeah. So we're <laughs> ready to wrap it up here. If you struggled along with us all the way to the end, thank you so much for listening. Till next time, rock out and ramble on. <laughs>